This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Welcome to Oasis City Church, Columbus. Well, once again, hello, Oasis City Church. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. I'm so glad that you decided to come to church here this morning. And for everybody tuning in online, just welcome again. I joined Pastor Adam, uh, welcoming you. So glad that you have tuned in. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how we can pray for you. And I've got a word for you today, so just continue watching. And then there's an amazing uh, end of this service, so you don't want to miss that. Um, I do want to say to you that the prophetic conference is something you want to sign up for today. Uh, there's limited seats. And so we have been planning this conference for two years. We wanted to have it last year for obvious reasons. We weren't able to, uh, two of our people are coming in, two of our prophets are coming in from the United Kingdom and they're able to be in the United States right now. So Dr. Sharon Stone, it'll be her first time at Oasis City Church. And she is internationally known as a woman of God who, who gives some of the most accurate prophetic words, uh, that I've ever heard. Prophet Eric Butler is a good friend of the house from New Jersey. And then, of course, Papa Joe Ewan, who's one of our apostolic board members. Also, uh, uh, he's from Scotland, and he's going to be here. So you're going to want to make that a priority. And also, if you register, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for personal prophetic ministry. So everyone's going to have an opportunity to receive that. You don't want to miss it. It's something that really can change your life. Well, it is uh, Easter Sunday, and I have a message for you titled, From Grave to Glory. On Friday, we talked about the grave, but today we could talk about the glory. Many of you are familiar, even if you're not a church goer, you're probably familiar with the passage of, uh, out of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. But oftentimes we don't know what verse 17 says. So I'd like to keep reading. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. But God wanted to save the world. So he sent a savior. And that's why we celebrate today because we have a risen savior he's not in the tomb he's not in the grave like others who have who have uh claimed to be prophets of the lord or claimed to be god themselves no they are all still bones or maybe even ashes at this point but jesus is resurrected he is risen 
He is risen indeed. I'm going to say that. You say he is risen indeed. Ready? He is risen. Amen. So what does the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus have to do with me? What did the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus accomplish in the earth? I'd like to go to Romans chapter 5 and start at verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Now, we'll pause right there for a moment. You can imagine that we are in a fallen world. You don't need to to even hear that from me. You could just open the news each and every day and you see that society worldwide is broken, that there's sickness and disease and none of that was part of God's plan. But when Adam sinned, that's how sin entered into the world and therefore you and I were born into brokenness. We were born into dysfunction. We were born into a fallen world. But God had a plan. And take a look at verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus affects us personally and affects the entire world. The first thing that stands out to me is in verse 15. And verse 15, um, the scripture says here, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness through this one man, Jesus. Because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, we have access to forgiveness. And this is how God's forgiveness works. He's forgiven us from all of our sin, past, present, and future. 
And even if you mess up today with the same sin that you messed up yesterday, his forgiveness is just as valid and just as real. And it's only by his grace. Now, just because we have grace, does that mean that we just go on sinning? Absolutely not. Because those of us who have a relationship with Jesus just know how important and special that is. And we don't want to cause separation from him. But, but the promise is there's therefore now no condemnation for people in Christ. And nothing can actually separate us from his love. So forgiveness is not just a stamp, a one-time stamp. It's a forever. I was looking at some real estate with my son yesterday and just kind of teaching him some things. We were just looking at properties online and he kept showing me some. And as you know, property values are, are greatly increased. And so many of the things he was sending me, not that we're even in the market, we were just looking. I was trying to teach him about mortgages and how they worked and, and uh, real estate and how the process goes. And so he's sending me these houses. Dad, you got to look at this one. You got to look. And we're all over Central Ohio, you know, all in the Columbus area. And he's looking, looking, looking. And he's like, we well, should get that one dad and and they were awesome and trust me uh i was tempted but the bank said otherwise but i you know my mind was tempted but but even as so he kept sending me these ones and they would say contingent and he's like dad i don't even know what that means i said don't send me anything contingent his forgiveness is not contingent it's not based on your actions today the, the mistake you make tomorrow, his forgiveness is not contingent upon your act of obedience. His forgiveness is a once and for all. And so because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we have access to the, the forever forgiving power of God. The other statement that stands out is the very next verse in verse 16. He says, we've got forgiveness and the result of God's grace is different than the result of sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Though we are guilty, we are made right with God. Though we are guilty, we are made right with God. It's not about our actions. You and I are in in right standing with God, therefore we don't want to sin. We don't, we don't want to, to mess up. We are so thankful for the redemption of God, the forgiving power of the blood of Jesus, as well as being made right with him. He didn't just forgive us and be like, you're forgiven, so you're not going to go to jail. You're forgiven and then made right with him. In verse 21, It says, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God. So here's, we're right with him, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Eternal life. See, every person is eternal. You have the choice if it's eternal death or eternal life. But through Jesus, we have eternal life. As as mankind were made in the image of God, 
And you can liken it to three parts, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in us, in this image, we have this physical body. We have a soul, which is our emotions, our mind, our intellect. And then we have a spirit. And that spirit is the one that's eternal. It lives forever and ever. This body is going to fail. This body will end up in a grave. Our choice isn't whether our body will end up somewhere. Our choice is where our eternity lies. Because we can have eternal death or we can have eternal life. And because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we all have access, according to the scripture, of eternal life with Jesus. It's not contingent upon your bank account. It's not contingent upon your assets. It's not contingent upon, um, you know, what side of the tracks you were born, what your skin color is, what your last name is, what nationality you are. It matters where you build your house. Jesus said, storms are going to come. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't face storms. It's not life's a bed of roses. No, storms are going to come. He said it. Trials and tribulations will come. Opportunities to be offended will come. But where is your house built? On the sand which will sink. Or on the solid rock. And as Christians, our lives are built on the solid rock that can withstand the storms of the day. And on that solid rock, we have forgiveness, we have right standing with God, and we have eternal life. And that eternal life is not just something that you're going to experience after you die in the sweet by and by. No, you can live life right now. Your life is not defined by your addiction. Because Jesus has power over it, we're going to talk about it in a second. He has forgiveness for it as well. He makes you right with God. You can have life right now. You don't have to have depression and anxiety. Yes, the storms come, but you don't have to take up residence there. You can have life. We all have access to that. And I'm telling you today in this room, life's available. I'm telling you today online right now, life's available. Those listening on the radio right now, life is available to you. And it's through Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm excited today, church. We can't have Sunday without Friday. And we love the celebration of the King of Glory. We love celebration of his resurrection. But Jesus told us to remember his death. And in that, on Friday, I just want to talk about Friday for a moment. Jewish history is kept a little bit different than American history. The calendar was actually different. They didn't have the calendar that we have. Even the way they calculated time, uh, days didn't start at midnight. It started at sunrise. It went to sunset. So in the same day, there could be two days. And so they would, they would calculate things based upon the feasts of their calendars, based upon uh, the seasons of life. But here's what we do know as theologians study the scripture and you read specifics in the scripture about times of day and, and about what time it was in that afternoon or that evening. We know this about Jesus on that Friday. 
On that Friday, Jesus stood trial. He had three trials, as a matter of fact. And they were all sham trials. They were all corrupt. He went through a trial with the Jewish high council, the Sanhedrin. Then he went to Pilate, who was the governor of Rome. Then Pilate was done with him. He sent him to Herod. Herod was the ruler of Galilee. Herod didn't know what to do, so he ends up sending him back to Pilate for a final ruling. So Jesus stood trial at 6 a.m., and at 7 a.m., he's sentenced to death. Around 8 o'clock, he was beaten, flogged, led away to Calvary in that scourging. And about an hour later, he was crucified. It's believed that Jesus was on the cross somewhere between three and six hours. Most say six. And at noon, darkness covered the land. At noon. Darkness covered the face of the earth at noon. At the highest point of the sun. And Jesus was on the cross three hours into the crucifixion. And that means that for the next three hours of his life was spent in total darkness. There were no cameras, there were no flashlights, there were no iPhone lights, no spotlights, total darkness. At three o'clock, he made some statements and then finally said, it is finished. And then he died. What's finished? Salvation is finished. Healing is finished. Reconciliation between mankind and God is finished. At that moment of death, there was an earthquake that shook all of Israel. Shook the land and and buildings collapsed and stones uh, shook and, and there were, you know, cliff, mountain, what's the word that I want? Like when rocks fall down a mountain, you know what I'm saying? Yeah landslide avalanche i think that's snow but there's probably an avalanche somewhere <laughs> the veil in the temple was torn in two supernaturally and to confirm his death they pierced his side and then he went for burial on that same day of crucifixion was the first day of burial but here was the thing, it was during Passover, so the, the ladies that normally would care for the body could not care for the body of Jesus properly because they had to wait till Passover was over. They were trying to get him in a tomb as quickly as possible. And Rome was like, we've heard that this guy said he was going to uh, rise again after three days. We can't afford that. So uh, what we're going to do is we can't afford the people could even steal his body and then say that he was going to, uh, you know, that he had somehow risen from the dead. So we're going to put some soldiers there and a giant stone over the tomb. And as a matter of fact, we are then going to take a Roman seal and seal it off so that even if somebody came and murdered the soldiers, we would, we would be able to say, he didn't rise again. Somebody stole his body. And the women were weeping and ready to prepare him for proper burial. But they knew they had to wait. He said he would rise again, but... They didn't even expect him to die in the first place. The men were scared because they were now had the possibility of being arrested. 
for just following Jesus, associating with him. So the men are in the upper room and they're, they're praying, they're scared. I'm not sure, you don't hear much about them. The soldiers are guarding, thinking that this is some you know, waste of their time because who could rise again? Friday night, first night. Then comes Saturday, the day of waiting. And everybody on the earth who knew Christ is just waiting. I can picture Pilate thinking, I know that guy was crazy, but what if? I can picture Pilate's wife. You know, she had a dream. What if my dream, what if my husband would have just listened to me? I can picture the disciples saying, man, it was a fun ride, but where are you going to go from here, Peter? Andrew, where are you going? James, how far do we need to go to escape? Do you think they're going to arrest us? Do you think we'll ever be able to live in peace? Do you think we can ever have wives and children? We don't even know what our history is going to look like, our future is going to look like. I can see the women just begging to to finally bury him properly because they love Jesus. So the earth is waiting. But something else was happening in the spirit. In the eternal realm, something else is going on. The scripture tells us that Jesus went to the depths of the earth. And while he's there, he, takes, he says this in Revelation chapter 1. He says that I am the living one. I'm the first and I am the last. And he says, I hold the keys to death in Hades. I hold the keys to death hell and the grave so so how did jesus get the keys because he kicked butt and took names in the spirit realm and while everybody else is waiting on that saturday and that friday night jesus is in the depths and he's facing every power of darkness and and i don't know who the key holder was before if it was satan himself or some other principality but jesus said enough's enough Death wears your victory. Grave wears your sting. No longer will you hold the people of God. I'm sent on a mission. I don't just provide forgiveness and right standing, and eat, but I'm about to, to provide eternal life for every one of mine. Now, here's the thing. People have been raised from the dead before. It happened before Jesus. The prophet Elijah raised somebody from the dead. People knew that, that you could actually do this. It was under God's power, but you could, you could do this. Jesus himself raised somebody from the dead. Then Jesus actually raised Lazarus from the dead, which was his greatest miracle to date because Lazarus was four days old. That's when the body starts really decaying. Nobody even wanted that to happen. They knew he would sting. They warned him. Don't get too close. Don't open the don't open the tomb. So Jesus raised him from the dead, but but the powers of hell weren't trying to stop Lazarus. Powers of hell weren't trying to, to stop the young girl and the young boy that were raised from the dead. But all the powers of hell, all the powers of darkness are trying to hold back Jesus. Everybody else is waiting, crying, thinking of themselves. Then on that Sunday morning, still dark, wasn't morning yet till the sun rose. But on that Sunday morning, Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. 
And, and when I picture it, I see him doing everything that he was supposed to do in the spirit realm, defeating every power of darkness. And then finally, like, okay, dad, I need a hand right here. And I want you to see what the Bible says about this and how it describes it in Ephesians chapter 1. It's such a, a powerful and special scripture. Look with verse 18. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and we can receive this as well. Listen to what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. That's a prayer for us right now. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power. His what? His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And God placed, I think I need an organ here, Dre. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything in the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's the same God, the creator of the universe in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God created the heavens and the earth. And he created all the planets and the stars. As a matter of fact, he created an ever-expanding universe. It's still expanding to this day from that word that God spoke. He created all the beasts of the field. He created everything. And he created mankind. And not one time does it say he exerted his power. I'm sure there was some power exerted. I'm sure. But this is the power he exerted. He reserved his power because he knew from Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the earth. So this had already happened in God's mind. We can't figure it out because we're linear people. We think calendar wise. God doesn't. He thinks eternity. And he said, he said, of all my creation, there's going to be a time where I exert my power. They haven't seen it yet. And it's the time when I reach down to the depths of hell and I grab a hold of my son's hand and I said this third day he will rise again that's the power of God it's not just a story of a man who said he was God and died this is a story of the God man who kicked the devil's butt who stole all the, the keys of death hell and the grave and then had his daddy by the power of the Holy Spirit raise him up exert his strength and here's what the Bible says, that you and I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. What are we afraid of? Why are we afraid of sickness and disease? Why are we afraid of anxiety? Why are we afraid of what happens in the world? Why are we afraid of what the government chooses or doesn't choose? We have the resurrection power of Jesus inside of us our life is built on the solid rock oh it gets better it gets better because the Bible describes again what happened on Friday and Saturday in, in that Sunday morning in a little bit of another part here in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, just one verse, it says, We, that's you and I as Christ followers, we were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death. How do you join into the death of Christ? It's through baptism. 
If you're a Christian and you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Jesus said two things. Remember, I need you to be baptized if you follow me. And I want you to remember my death by receiving the Lord's Supper. As often as you do, remember me, the body and the blood of Christ. So we're buried, therefore, with him in the baptism unto death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by what? The glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in the newness of life. We're joined with him not only in his suffering, but also his glory. You and I also go from grave to glory. But here's what describes what happened in the spirit realm on that Friday and on that Saturday and on that Sunday. Colossians chapter 2. Talking to us, he says, you were dead because of your sin and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. And look at 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Everything that the devil has accused you of, everything that demonic forces want to accuse you of, Jesus took that away already and nailed it to the cross. Every accusation, every charge against you, if you're under the blood, if you're a Christian, it's been canceled. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He disarmed every spiritual form of darkness, every ruler, every authority, and he shamed them publicly. When Jesus was on the cross dying, he was shaming the powers of darkness. He was stripping the devil and every demonic force, everything that they thought they had. In other words, it looks like this. In this time in the Roman age, when, uh, and, and the Greeks did the same, and these armies, the Babylonians did the same, when, when their army would go in, led by a general, and they would take over, they would beat another army, they would take over land. Here's what they always did. They would take that leader, and they would take their senior leader, their, their, their senior general, their king, whoever, and they would bring them out into public in front of their army and in front of his armies. And they wouldn't, just, they wouldn't just kill him. No, what they would do is they would make sure he was dressed in all of his military attire. He had all of his pins, all of his labels, all of the stuff that made him his general. And the new victorious one would publicly shame him by grabbing a hold of everything that he acquired and rip it off of him. You thought you were a general. You thought you were a four-star. I'm ripping them off. And then he would take the clothes off and then rip those and strip him naked and shame him in front of his old army. And that's exactly what Jesus did. While hanging on the cross when everybody thought he was a weak man. No, no, no. He disarmed every spiritual power of darkness, every ruler, every authority. He made a public display of them. He shamed them. He stripped them of everything they thought they had. The devil thought he was ruling mankind for the last 4,000 years. And God said, no. He strips him down. So what are you afraid of? My final scripture comes in Hebrews 
chapter 1. It says, This long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also he created the world. He, this is Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making perfection for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And you and I now, you and I join in the glory. He went from grave to glory so that you and I could go from grave to glory. And after doing everything that he did and stripping all the power and the rule and authority from the demonic entities, and he he dismantled the kingdom of darkness and began to extend his kingdom of of light and his authority, he, he also made purification for us. He was thinking of you in mind when he was also stripping down and making sure that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's doing all of this at the same time, and he he allows purification from our sin. I want to close by having us make some statements together that will encourage your faith, that will decree the very truth of the finished work of Christ on the cross for your life. Would you say this after me? Because of the cross... And the resurrection of Jesus. I am forgiven. I am born again. I am a new creation. I am healed. I am in union with Christ. I am dead to sin once and for all. I am at peace with God. I am clothed with God's power. I am an ambassador of Jesus in this world. I am free, entirely and wonderfully free. I am who God says I am. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with us, go to OasisCityChurch.com. You can watch all of our live events on the Oasis City Church app, YouTube, and Facebook Live. And please join us next Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. in Westerville on East Wind Drive.